like to call this meeting of the plan commission to order. We have a quorum. Anyone registered for public comment? Uh, no, we do not have any registrations. Communications, disclosures, and recusals. Anyone? Mr. Shepard? Uh, I just received my summer work schedule, so I just need to notify. I will not be here on July. Just a second. Oh. Wait, you need to note this. Sorry. Oh, I won't be here for, because of my work schedule, July 11th, 25th, and then August 8th. I have a work schedule, so there's a conflict. So My wife likes me to pay the bills. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mr. Rui? Thank you. I'm going to recuse myself from number 19. I know the applicant uh, in some circumstances, but if it means loss of a quorum, I will hang in there but not participate on the vote. Okay. On item 19, which is on the consent agenda, so I think you're hanging in there would be just fine. Okay. Ah. Sorry. Oh, now I don't Now you're off the hook. I just didn't want to... I wanted to be nice. Okay, thank you. Ms. Berger? Um, I just wanted to disclose that I did um, run into a friend at the coffee shop when I was going over my plan commission packet and learned um, that he's going to be here tonight um, testifying for um, number 21, the Monroe Street property. Um, I just wanted to, to share that I, I do know somebody who will be here. It's not going to be a conflict. Okay. I'm not even sure you needed to disclose well, I don't that. know. Well, you know, it came up. We did, you know, briefly discuss it, but nothing material. Okay. Uh, minutes of the May 9th <coughs> meeting. Is there a second? Seconded by Mr. Rui. Discussion of the minutes. Uh, seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. <coughs> Opposed, no. Uh, passes unanimously. A schedule of meetings. Note uh, June 13th and 27th and July 11th and 25th. Uh, bringing us to routine business, we have one item, and it is item number one, Legistar 42877, authorizing the mayor and city clerk to execute a lease for farming purposes uh, with Dennis Acker for 45.34 acres of land located on Meadow Road in the town of Middleton. Uh, there's no one registered on that? No, there's not. Okay, a motion to approve by Mr. Rui, seconded by Mr. Cantrell. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Opposed, no. Passes unanimously. Uh, I believe that is going to bring us to the Secretary's report. Uh, Secretary's reports. Uh, quick discussion about upcoming matters. Um, June 13th, a uh, few items to highlight. Uh, 425 West Washington uh, with conditional use alteration. We'll be coming back to discuss some of the, the changes to uh, essentially get that building into compliance um, and uh, or make some modifications uh, there. So uh, 5702 and 5712 on the Road is uh, a demo and conditional use for uh, what is generally known as smart motors. So they're doing a, a bit of an expansion there. Um, another interesting one is a 4814 Freedom Ring Road is a gas station and convenience store uh, and for conditional use approval. Uh, so it could be one of the first uh, two-story gas stations that we've seen in the city. It should be a little bit interesting. Um, and uh, a few different uh, 
issues that we'll have to uh, discuss through there that will be coming out in the future in the staff report. Um, and other than that, that's probably most of the highlights for that one. Um, June 27th, at this time, is a, there's a renovation of an existing sorority house at 28 Langan Street. Um, of Whitty Hall, we'll see some renovations, and that's 615 West Johnson. Um, and then uh, a couple different uh, fairly simple ones. So uh, June 27th is a fairly light. Just check. Thanks, sir. I believe that's everything that we can take up until 545. Um, before we take our break, though, I want to point out to people that uh, this would be a good time, or when, when we resume at 545, would be a good time to turn off your cell phones. And I also want to point out that anybody that wants to see a little better than you can from over here, you're free to take move into the last three rows. Uh, but unfortunately, because we can't do public hearings until 545, we're going to take a 10-minute break. Uh, we're back in session. A reminder for anybody who may have come in since uh, we recessed, this would be a good time to turn off your phones. Uh, it's time for public hearings. <clears throat> for those of you, oh, uh, I'm sorry, we'll, before I get to the consent agenda, we've got item two. Correct. Uh, tax increment district item two legistar four two eight seven zero approving a second amendment to tid thirty six capital gateway corridor and approving a project plan and boundary for said amended tid mr rolfs would you push your button so i can identify you thank you mr rolfs welcome Hello. what you see in front of you is the proposed amendment to the project plan and boundary for 1036. And the proposal here is to continue implementing the plans that have been outlined uh, by a host of documents that the city has approved. The specific projects that are identified here are outlined in the plan. The primary items identified are assist public assistance to the redevelopment of the Madison Dairy site, and the construction of a parking ramp associated with the Cosmos project that's being uh, worked through the process right now. The total expenditures that are added to the project plan are roughly $13 million, and the maximum amount of expenditures in the district as a whole, including the, first sec the original project plan amendment, the first project plan amendment, and this sec second amendment, total $33.222 million. Uh, that's the quick version of what we're proposing to do. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Um, I'll open the hearing. Um, discussion, questions? Seeing none, uh, I will close the hearing. Questions of staff? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify. Oh, motion. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, a motion to approve by Mr. Rui, seconded by Mr. Cantrell. Now, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Uh, <clears throat> Ms. Berger abstains. Um, Mr. Cantrell. 
I, I just wanted to comment, too, that I, I think this is a uh, where TIF is appropriate on this corridor of East Washington. There's a lot of, of obsolete buildings and, and land uses, and we're seeing a uh, renaissance on East Washington with the Constellation, the Galaxy, and other projects that, that uh, were uh, reviewed just recently. And I think that uh, this is where we're going to see a lot of development occur within the next five to ten years, and, and it's going to be a very exciting uh, thing to see. Uh, so I'm very happy to support this Thank district. Thank you. Any, uh, anyone else? Then thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ross. Um, so for those of you who aren't here on a regular basis, the way we start the plan commission is we have a consent agenda which we take up every item that everyone agrees to, no one insists on speaking, no one objects, and the motions are either approved or referred to a subsequent meeting. Those of you who are here for those get to go home and enjoy your evening, and the rest of us get to work on the uh, items uh, where there is some disagreement. So I'm going to read through the various aspects of the consent agenda, including the referrals. And then we'll vote on them in a bunch, and then we'll move on to uh, the rest of the agenda. So, uh, items three and four are being referred to June 13th. Uh, Legistar 42462 and 42298, um, dealing with property at 601 Langdon Street and walk-up service window at 601 Langdon Street. Items five and six are being referred to a future meeting, no date specified. Uh, Legistar 42642 and uh, 42308 dealing with 404 to 410 West Washington Avenue and 8 to 14 North Broome Street. Item 8, Legistar 42553 is on uh, consent. Uh, that is dealing with uh, property owned by the UW at 130 East Gilman Street. We have a registrant, Gary Brown, 30 North Mill Street, Madison representing UW Madison in support available to answer questions. Um, If item 8 passes on the consent agenda, then item 9, Legistar 30331, will be placed in, on file without prejudice. Uh, we won't have to deal with that separately. Uh, item 10 is on the consent agenda, uh, Legistar 39826, uh, dealing with uh, demolition of two commercial buildings and construction of a second building uh, at 5317 Wayne Terrace. Uh, we have one registrant, Jim Triatic, 1314 Amel Street, in support available to answer questions. Uh, item 11 is being referred To, uh, that is Legistar 41731 that's being referred to September 19th um, for limited production and processing at an existing coffee house at 
South Park Street. Item 13 is on consent, Legistar 42303, a demolition permit for a single family residence and constructing a new single family residence at 3303 Gregory Street. That's a referral. That's that's a referral. To June 13th. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, refer to June 13th. Item 14 is a, also a referral to June 13th, Legistar 42304 to allow construction of a single family residence in excess of 10,000 square feet at 815 Big Stone Trail. Item 15 is being referred to the June 13th meeting. A Legistar 42307, an outdoor recreation area and expanded parking area for a restaurant tavern at 1313 Regent Street and 7 South Randall Avenue. Uh, items 16 through 20 are all on consent. Uh, 16 is Legistar 42555, uh, demolition permit at 1439 Wright Street. We have two registrants, William Lagore, staff of the Dane County Regional Airport, in support available to answer questions, and Kim Jones, also staff of Dane County Regional Airport, in support available to answer questions. Item 17, Legistar 42556, uh, is on is consent. Establish a nightclub at 1444 East Washington Avenue. We have uh, two registrants, John Chandler, 5574 Woodland Drive, Westport, in support available to answer questions. And Edward Kaharski, 405 Sydney Street, uh, in support available to answer questions. Items uh, 18, Legistar 42557, uh, demolition for single family residence at 4341 Mineral Point Road. We have one registrant, Andrew Brownman. Warren, I'm not sure, 3157 Milwaukee Street, in support available to answer questions. Um, 1819, Legistar 42558, uh, construction of an accessory building uh, with an accessory dwelling unit at 217 North Meadow Lane. Uh, we have two registrants. Todd Seiler, representing Next Step Building and Designs, in support available to answer questions. And Melanie Ramey, 217 North Meadow, uh, neither supporting nor opposing, and available to answer questions. And finally, number 20, Legistar 42559, uh, conditional use to construct a two-family twin dwelling at 1815 to 1817 Dundee Road. We have one registrant, Karen Abrood, 809 St. John Street, Cottage Grove, uh, in support available to answer questions. 
Are there any questions for any of the registrants on the consent agenda? Seeing none, then a motion to approve the consent agenda would be in order. Ms. Berger, seconded by Mr. Cantrell. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Opposed, no. Recuse on 19, Mr. Rui. Okay. Passes. They all pass unanimously. All of you are here for those items. You can enjoy the rest of your evening. So, we're back on item seven, I believe. Legistar 42643. To amend a planned development district at 6302 Town Center Drive. And to approve a planned development district to approve a specific implementation plan. Ms. Fertschow. Thank you, Mr. Chair. The applicant here is the Steamfitters Local Union 601, and they're requesting approval of two zoning map amendments. The subject site includes three lots within the Metro Tech development, which is generally located at the corner of Milwaukee Street and Sprucker Road, and also has interstate frontage. The original planned development for Metro Tech was approved in 2002. This request is subject to the approval standards for zoning map amendments and planned developments. The first component of this request is an amendment to the underlying general development plan to add trade and technical school as an allowed use. Currently, the permitted use list includes general office, banking, and medical office uses. Second component of this request is for the specific implementation plan for the site and building plan details. Proposed facility is a two-level structure with approximately 58,000 square feet of area, includes office, education, and community room components. Future components of the project include an in-building medical clinic. And the letter of intent notes that the rooftop will be used in portions as a training area. The planning division does believe that the standards for zoning map amendments and planned developments are met. Staff impacts, the impacts will be similar to the office uses that are approved currently on the site. In terms of character, the proposed building is light industrial in character, and the planning division believes that its orientation on a large interstate fronting lot provides for appropriate transitions to the existing and surrounding uses. Staff notes that the Urban Design Commission granted final approval at its last meeting. One specific aspect of this request that I would like to bring to the commission's attention is that the applicant is requesting a formal crest to reduce the bike parking on the site. As a planned development, that is something that can be requested of the planning commission, and so you do have purview over the waiver of the standards, and there's materials to that effect in your packets. Staff supports the waiver, but does request a condition that should the waiver be granted, that a condition allowing additional bike parking could be added should it be determined that it's needed at a future time. At this time, staff is not aware of any concerns from the surrounding neighbors on this proposal. The planning division recommends that the commission find that the standards are met and forward this request to the common council with a recommendation of approval. If there are any questions, staff is available after the public hearing. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Furchow. The first registrant is Jody Shaw. Excuse me, I'll open the public hearing. The first registrant is Jody Shaw, 749 University Row, in support wishing to speak 
representing Steam Critters Local 601. Mr. Shaw, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And thank you all for your time. Again, my name is Jody Shaw. I'm an architect with Power Lawson Architects. We're fortunate enough to be hired by Steam Fitters to do the design for their, their facility that we're looking to, to put on the site, as noted. Uh, quick overview, uh, it's a training facility, roughly 58,000 square feet. The goals of this really are to provide training and ongoing education for the men and women of the Madison area and general state also that do steam fitters work, which is actually integral to um, all of the modern construction buildings that we see today as well, as well as the repair for all mechanical systems and things of that nature. Now, not everybody knows what a steam fitter is, I know, and that's actually um, the second main reason for this building, both in its really prominent location right on Highway 94. We want people to actually see that building, begin to understand what a steam fitter is, but also within the interior layout of the building, it's, it's designed specifically to allow for public tours from schools, the general public itself, as well as a large community room, which we fully expect to be used by the local neighborhoods and really anybody that wants to to have meetings there. Um, within the building, we have history walls. We have large glass walls that look out over the training facility itself to enhance that uh, public awareness. The reason why we're here really is because we're requesting a reduction in the amount of bike parking. Um, we've, there's a current facility in Milwaukee and a very undersized facility here in Madison. Between those two over the last 10 years, um, they've documented one person using a bike over the summer. Um, I personally have gone to two other steam fitters facilities, one in Aurora in um, in Chicago and another in St. Paul. Neither of those facilities actually provide any bike parking. And the reason is that the people that are coming to the training, uh, they're bringing their own welding helmets, their own tools, their own equipment, things that make it actually physically impossible to use a bike to get there. Secondly, a lot of this training and ongoing education is done after hours. I mean, these are men and women that are working on construction job sites and they literally just take their truck straight from the job site to this facility to take those classes. Those are really the main reasons we're asking for that reduction. We are providing um, the City of Madison ordinance required amount of parking for all functions within the building except for that actual education training component. So for all of the office, all of the, the future clinic, all of those spaces, we are providing those stalls and that, that came up to a number of 12. We've shown that um, addition in the letter of intent if you have any questions about that. Um, but that's why we're here. I'll be available for questions as well as uh, Gene from our office and Joel Zilke from Steam Fitters themselves. Okay. Thank you. Um, are there questions for Mr. Shaw? And thank you, Mr. Shaw. Thank you. Um, the other registrants, as he said, are Eugene Post, uh, 749 University Row, in support, uh, available to answer questions, and Joel Zilke, 1214 Ann Street, in support, available to answer questions. Are there questions for either of those two registrants? Um, seeing none, I'll close the public hearing. Uh, questions of staff? Seeing none, a motion. Uh, moved by Mr. Rui, seconded by Mr. Cantrell. Discussion of the motion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Passes unanimously. Thank you. Uh, that brings us to item 12. 
Item 12, Legistar 42297, uh, conditional use to establish an outdoor eating area for a tavern at 1380 Williamson Street. Ms. Vaughn. Thank you. Uh, before the commission this evening is a request for a conditional use for an outdoor eating area for an existing restaurant tavern known as Gibbs Bar located at 1380 Williamson, Williamson Street in the TSS traditional shopping street zoning district. The proposed outdoor eating area will be located on an existing front porch. Uh, Ms. Barton, can you move the microphone over a little so that you're speaking more directly into it? I think people can't hear you. Sure. Thanks. That Sorry better? for interrupting. Yes. Okay. Um, and the proposed patio will have a capacity of 12 persons. Given that the proposed outdoor eating area will be located on an existing front porch, um, there will be no existing or no changes to the existing building, uh, with the exception, of course, of adding the seating onto the front porch. Overall, the planning division believes that the revised plans with the conditions of approval can meet the conditional use approval standards, including the supplemental regulations, the zoning district standards, and satisfy the neighborhood concerns. Um, given that the proposed outdoor eating area will conform to all of the applicable regulations, including both those in the zoning code and those in the supplemental regulations, the conditions of approval regarding capacity, amplified sound, seating, and hours of service, coupled with the location of the proposed outdoor eating area on the front porch along the street side, Williamson Street, um, and away from the more lower density residential development that's adjacent to the project site. Staff does not anticipate that the proposed outdoor eating area will result in um, significant impacts to the surrounding properties. Um, in addition, the proposed outdoor eating area use is compatible and consistent with the surrounding development, given that the restaurant tavern uses an existing use. Um, it's location along Williamson Street, a commercial corridor, and it's limited scale to 12 person capacity limitation. And finally, the proposed outdoor eating area is generally consistent with the recommendations of the adopted neighborhood plan that speak directly to strengthening the vitality of the Williamson Street corridor um, and encouraging development of existing businesses and providing neighborhood services as well as activating the streets. Uh, for these reasons, the planning division recommends that the plan commission find that the approval standards for the conditional use can be met and move to approve the request for the outdoor eating area. Thank you, Ms. Vaughn. I'll open the public hearing. The first registrant is Gilbert Altschul, 2709 East Johnson Street, in support, available to answer questions. Mr. Altschul, where are okay. uh, Any questions for the applicant? Come on up. Why don't you come over here? A question from Mr. Shepard. Hi. Uh, just one question about the hours you have um, in the report uh, as a condition. 10 p.m. seven days a week. Um, would it be possible to close earlier, maybe on Sunday? 10 p.m. just seems a little late on a, on a Sunday. I don't know if that would be something you would consider or... Uh, if I need to, you know, I, I, I want it to be much later to begin with. Um, so I, uh, the neighborhood requested 10 p.m. across the board, and I respected that. And 
that's that's what I based my time on. Uh, if, if you okay, so you talked to the neighborhood. Yeah, we went through uh, a preservation and development. I was initially applying for a midnight, uh, and they asked if I would do 10 p.m. and I, I agreed to that. Okay, All right. thank you. Any additional questions for Mr. Altshaw? Thank you, Mr. Altshaw. Uh, the next registrant is William Gilmore. 1433 Spate Street, opposed, wishing to speak. Mr. Gilmore. Okay. Welcome. Um, I might have a little problem with my voice, but I hope it comes through. Um, my name is William Gilmore. I'm a partner with Susan Churchill, and we share a, um, uh, a rear lot line with the proposed property and what, what the, um, is being proposed for the addition. Um, so she's not here tonight. Um, and I participated in four to five meetings with this property since Grandpa's was opened or even before opened. Um, and what I'm having problems with is the, mm, the fluctuation that goes on during these meetings of what, what it is and how the responsiveness to the owners to what really is the um, what I feel is the neighborhood's response to these. I've come here tonight and, and been given the, uh, I guess, the, the duty of, of saying we're not for any outdoor seating, period. So when you brought this up at the Planning Commission before and said that that was okay with the, um, uh, the neighborhood, I'm wondering what neighborhood was that because I don't have that information at all. I have the opposite. I have that the immediate neighborhood the people who have property in that area are saying no. And that's, that's, so there's a difference of opinion. And these are also registered with uh, Alderperson Marsha Rommel. She's been given emails that, um, you know, I think are consistent with what I'm talking about. So through the Marquette Neighborhood Association, which is our representative government or representative association, since 2004, assurances were given from ownership that Gibbs was, um, I'm sorry, Grandpa's, let me get this straight, that the building next to Grandpa's was, called, was going to be called the waiting room, and it was supposed to be just that. It was the waiting room for Grandpa's. And we're given assurances that it was not going to turn into a full-fledged bar, which it is right now. So, um, and also at that time, there was promise of no outdoor seating. So that's, you know, once again, we're kind of like starting to shift on that whole thing. And all I get, and I surveyed the people next to me and, and my neighbors, and that they don't want it. So, excuse me. Uh, in the M&A guidelines, there's a paragraph that speaks to outdoor seating and states that allowance is contextual and the fit and proximity to the residences. So I'm curious why there is this difference of contextual being on Willie Street or in the front of the bar and what is exactly going to be used to monitor 12 seats in the front of this porch of this house. Um, and again, in conclusion, I don't have any agenda against Grandpa's or Gibbs. That said, my issue is with the outdoor seating being allowed given this history and amended proposals that have a negative impact. I personally don't want to live with an ongoing house party. Questions for Mr. Gilmore? Yep. Um, I, I, I have one, Mr. Gilmore. 
You indicate your address is uh, 1433 Space Street. Right. My partner owns 1337 East Wilson, which has its back. I see. Okay. Thank you. That sure. clarifies it for me. Any additional questions for Mr. Gilmore? And thank you, sir. Sure. <clears throat> Any additional questions for Mr. Altschul before I close the public hearing? Then I'll close the public hearing. Questions for staff? Uh, well, I'll ask. Uh, <clears throat> uh, can you can you respond to Mr. Gilmore's? Uh, claim that uh, the Marquette Neighborhood Association has communicated with Alder Rummel. Uh, you know, we didn't have any of that in our packets, I don't believe. They were, and they were included as attachment A in your okay. packets. Okay, I must have missed it. I'm sorry. Um, Ms. Berger. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask for a little bit more clarification on that, too. So um, can you just point me right to it? So it, it, does Attachment A say that the neighborhood does or does not support? Attachment A gives you a brief overview, kind of a summary of their concerns, specifically addressed in the um, public comment portion is going to be the hours of operation. They wanted fixed seating, not standing room. So originally when the proposal came to us, it was standing room only. And so now we have a fixed seating of 12 seats, which significantly reduced the overall number of people that were on the patio. So that came down, and then the hours of operation were um, of concern, because originally uh, Mr. Alshu was asking for midnight, and the neighborhood was looking, thinking more around 9 or 10. So after, was the neighborhood then, the message that you got was that the neighborhood was in support. Was there an affirmative neighborhood support? I sent out, sorry to cut you off, I didn't mean to know, but I did send out the conditions of approval to Alder Rummel um, last week, and I did not get a response, unfortunately. The second page, uh, and kind of in the middle is some discussion from uh, Alder Rummel okay. and the support M&A Preservation and Development Committee voted tonight to support Gibbs' application for outdoor seating. Awesome. Then do we usually, okay, they will make this as a recommendation to the full M&A board, which meets May 19th. All right, does anybody know what happened on May 19th? Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, uh, I guess somebody does seem to know what happened on May 19th, but they're not, this, this public hearing is closed. Um, so we reopen the public hearing. Well, I don't think that we can take secondhand comments on um, it any, on, in okay. any case. I think we okay. can take it from the alder, okay, uh, right. but not from the applicant. Okay, all right, cool. thanks. Uh, Mr. Cantrell? Uh, can the staff just go over um, if, if this item is approved what's the recourse for for neighbors if they have a complaint on noise uh, can, can staff just respond to that and and um, sure um, essentially with the, the conditional use approval uh, this body has continuing jurisdiction generally the enforcement of that jurisdiction and making sure that these uh, conditions are met falls to our zoning uh, folks so uh, essentially Matt Tucker as being zoning administrator, he and his staff would ensure that these conditions, hours of operation, no amplified sound, whatnot, were in fact being uh, enforced. If at some point in time uh, these were in violation, um, discussions with our zoning department would be the appropriate avenue uh, to take up those potential complaints. 
Thank you. Any other questions of staff? All right, a motion. Uh, Mr. Rui moves approval, uh, seconded by Mr. Cantrell. Discussion? Mr. Cantrell? Um, I'm uh, supporting this motion because um, this, this is a, a small operation. It's also on the front porch of the building uh, fronting Williamson Street. And I think that weighs at least heavy on my mind and, and why I'm supporting it. Uh, in addition, if, if there are uh, noise complaints uh, or lighting complaints or complaints about the operation in violation of, of uh, opening uh, later than 10 o'clock, there is a recourse that we have continuous uh, jurisdiction over this matter. And, um, and the Planning Commission takes uh, those uh, matters quite seriously. Uh, so I think that there is a recourse if, if we have a, a bad operator. Uh, but I, I believe that, um, that this should work out uh, fine for the neighborhood. Okay, Mr. Rui? just want to say, if it was in the backyard, I would have looked at it differently, but because it's in the front, uh, I don't see that there would be any issue. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, I just want to add a comment uh, for Mr. Gilmore's sake. I mean, th this capacity is, is 12 and it's seating, so there will be no standing and drinking. It'll be, there's 12 seats, that's it. Uh, you and anyone else that are concerned are more than happy to check it out, and if there's a problem, you can bring it right back to us. We have continuing jurisdiction. Uh, anyone else before uh, I call the question? Then all those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. Opposed, no. Uh, passes. I think we're all the way down to number 21. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> item 21, Legistar 42565, a demolition permit and conditional use of a multi-tenant commercial building uh, and construction of a mixed-use building with approximately 5,000 square feet of commercial space and 48 dwelling units at 1603 to 1609 Monroe Street. Mr. Furcha. Thank you, Mr. Chair. If the applicant requests approval of a five-story, 48-unit mixed-use building with approximately 5,000 square feet of commercial space. Virchow, could you move the mic a little closer to you? Oh, I guess I apologize. Okay. Is that better? Much. Okay. Um, applicant requests approval of a five-story mixed-use building with 48 dwelling units and approximately 5,000 square feet of commercial space on the ground floor. This includes 44 apartment units and four condominium units on the building's top level. The building includes uh, two levels of below-grade parking and a total of 62 parking stalls, and this includes both resident and non-resident parking. There are, there are multiple demolition permit and conditional uses requested with this application. Uh, first, there are two demolition requests uh, for the commercial building on the corner and the residential structure next to that. And then there are four conditional use requests that are part of this application. First is for to have more than 24 units in a mixed-use building. The second conditional use request is to have a building height exceeding the maximum three-story height in the TSS zoning district. The third conditional use is a mixed-use building exceeding 25,000 square feet in area. And uh, the fourth conditional use is a mixed-use building where less than 75% of the ground floor area is non-residential. 
Uh, please note that in the staff report there is uh, talk of a fifth conditional use, and that's for an accessory emergency generator. Uh, based on conversations with the applicant on Friday and today, we understand that the emergency generator is going to be located indoors, and as such, um, our zoning administrator has determined that if that occurs, that's no longer conditional use. So it is the only uh, four conditional uses that I mentioned above. This project is subject to the, standard, the approval standards for demolition permits and conditional uses. The plan division notes that there are inconsistencies between the proposed plan or the proposed project and the adopted plan. Uh, most significant departure is the four-story maximum recommended height in the Monroe Street Commercial District plan. Uh, due to this inconsistency, the planning division cannot conclude that the conditional use and demolition permits standard related to normal and orderly development are met as proposed. Uh, the planning division also notes that there is language in the plan that considers uh, situations for possible exceptions. That language is included in your staff report. Uh, one such clause in the plan states, there are no absolutes. Projects should be considered on a case-by-case -case basis with the general guidance that compatibility with surroundings should be an emphasis in rendering approval decisions. So please see the staff report for uh, more information on such clauses. Staff acknowledge that the applicant has worked closely with the Neighborhood Association and the proposed project has the support of the district alderperson and the Violist Neighborhood Association. Staff notes that while the planning division has concerns, uh, had some concerns on some of the project's uh, aesthetic elements, the applicant received an advisory opinion from the Urban Design Commission who noted strong support for the design elements of this proposal and that report is noted in your, uh, in your packet. Uh, staff notes that the Planning Commission is the approving body on this request. Should the Planning Commission uh, concur with staff's recommendation and place this application on file, it must provide findings of fact, listing the standards that have not been met and reasons for that such standards were not met. And in the alternative, should the Planning Commission find the project can meet the approval standards, uh, the plan, uh, plan Division recommends that the Plan Commission provide clear findings on the factors it used to reach this conclusion. Staff is concerned about setting a future precedent for not following the plan recommendations for future redevelopments, including those that may not enjoy the same level of neighborhood support as this proposal does. Um, with that, uh, staff is available to answer questions after the public hearing. Thank you. Um, again, there we're dealing with technology. Staff will He's troubleshooting back there. Um, well, <clears throat> while the troubleshooting is going on, I'm afraid we're just going to have to continue with this. We're going to have to wing it now. Uh, because, because of the complexity of this proposal, uh, we're going to have four speakers in a row representing the project, and then we will follow with four people in a row in opposition and then we will revert to our uh, standard process of pros and cons. So um, I'm going to open the public hearing and uh, hopefully the technology will catch up at some point. Uh, the first registrant is Greg Shemansky, the applicant, 1603 Monroe Street in support wishing to speak. Mr. Shemansky. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's nice to be last on the agenda and be up here at 615. Uh, we we, we couldn't I, agree more. I couldn't tell you how thrilled I am. <laughs> My name is Greg Shemansky. I'm the developer of this project. Um, uh, even on my background, I'm a long-term Monroe Street person. My office has been in this building for 15 years, although I don't own it. I live at 2945 Monroe Street down at the other end of the block. 
Edgewood High School graduate, coached Edgewood for 15 years, so I'm a big believer in Monroe Street and this site. Um, we have been, uh, as you heard from Kevin, this is a mixed-use development, two levels of underground parking, first floor of 5,000 square feet of retail space and some apartments, three floors of apartments, and then a top floor of four owner-occupied condominiums. Um, in the parking, we have uh, one level dedicated fully to uh, tenant use, residential use, and the other to some residential and 15 um, public parking stalls. We've been successful to date in our outreach. Uh, I personally uh, contacted 20 of the uh, most immediately affected neighbors, east, west, north, and south, and sat down with 16 of those people, uh, solicited their input and feedback. Um, and then also we had a neighborhood meeting at Hotel Red with 40 people where we had a lot of positive comments and support for that. You'll hear from the Neighborhood Association tonight and the aldermen who are in support, and you heard Kevin talk about our unanimous support at Urban Design. Um, uh, two of the concerns we heard from neighbors uh, were traffic and the height of the building. Uh, we went out and solicited heirs who did a traffic study uh, on Oakland and Monroe and all the immediate uh, uh, streets around there and found uh, um, uh, Little impact. We shared that uh, traffic report with the neighbors who were concerned and also with city staff and traffic engineering who has now signed off on that and, and, and found it acceptable. Uh, as it relates to the height, uh, one of the things we did was uh, uh, suggest to the neighborhood that we would attempt to reduce the height of the building. And through some value engineering, we have been able to reduce the height by four feet uh, by using post-tension construction and not going with a concrete plank and also going with a leg gauge steel as opposed to wood frame. And that's brought the building down four feet uh, out of a, a potential of eight or nine feet. So it's been brought down by about half of what we could have to do that. Um, we believe in the site. We think it's a positive addition to the neighborhood when it's done. I think it's something that uh, I will be proud of and I think the neighbors will be proud of. And uh, I appreciate your support and uh, hope you all vote in favor. Questions for Mr. Shemansky? Thank you, sir. Um, I think you're going to have to refer to the materials that are in your packet because it appears we're not going to have technology yet. Can we do a workaround? We can try. Uh, Mr. Q, do you want to wait for the... If you'll oblige us and give us just a second. Give, to give, up the given that it's 625, I think we can... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, we'll do it right there. It can actually go out of here. 
Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready? Right? Right? Next registrant uh, is Paul Kuda, 303 South Patterson, in support, wishing to speak. All right, first, thanks. Thanks a lot for uh, tolerating us while we uh, got our technology working correctly. So, um, what I wanted to do is just talk a little bit about how we uh, kind of arrived at the, the design solution that we're proposing uh, for this site. I think that's essential, and Mark will talk a little bit more specifically about the architecture, but um, I think this site is a unique site um, and in part because of the urban space that it shapes um, and has the potential to shape and, and certainly influence other buildings that will come around that space as well. So um, I just want to talk real quick kind of about what that was. And we started with, you know, obviously looking at the zoning, but also very closely at the neighborhood plan and the sort of things that were uh, important to the neighborhood. So the site is on the corner of Oakland and Monroe. It's at the confluence of a lot of activity. Three neighborhoods uh, kind of come together. It's the edge of the university, multimodal transportation, and a park that's really underutilized and has great potential. It's also a low spot of a long hill kind of that comes down from Monroe Street and also the, the, the whole intersection that comes together. It's crazy legs. So the existing building uh, or buildings are on the corner of Oakland and Monroe. There's the park that's underutilized and is really kind of a street and through street and a monumental building. We have the hotel that's starting to form an edge along the south side of what could be a wonderful urban space. And you look from Breeze Terrace, how it kind of bleeds uh, into the space. And then looking back up Monroe with the Clarendon and essentially four to five story buildings with the, uh, with the uh, uh, berm that they're built on. So, so what were some things that we thought about? We thought it was important that the building, it wasn't just about the building itself, but how, how at this location with the neighborhood plan talks about a gateway to the site and looking at what that park could be and we think should be in the neighborhood and in the urban fabric. We looked at other examples. So this is a, a park, similar site. Um, this happens to be in Portland, Oregon, uh, four and five story buildings fronting it. There's another one in Portland, Oregon that has a small neighborhood directly behind it. This one happens to be New York City, but it's a similar shaped space and similar scale buildings. Uh, several examples in Boston. Um, and of course, there's a multitude of examples in Paris with the unique shaped spaces. We think it could be a kind of a dynamic space similar to Connor Park in Chicago where there's activity and where people come together. Maybe there's a tea shop, people meet while they're biking through or busing through or whatever. We think that has a real potential. So starting by looking at the site, um, that's the site where the house and the building come down. Uh, the, the nuances of this site, the zoning and the TSS, um, actually allows, uh, once you get past the 25,000, still a condition use, but allows zero lot lines on all four sides. We think it's more appropriate to look at holding the street edge, supporting the, the uh, public space, and then stepping the building back to the adjacent neighborhood as opposed to stepping to the front. Uh, we also are suggesting that we step a little bit to the side from the uh, uh, adjacent apartment building. And if you look at that step, the way it kind of works with the building stepping adjacent to the house, um, and the pink actually represents what could be built versus what we're suggesting or proposing. If we come back and look at the building itself, this is looking at the backside of the neighboring house along the alley. You see the step back and you see what could be allowed versus what we're proposing. 
And again, this is all stuff we went over with the neighborhood. And again, another view, similar view of that. Then when you look back around the corner, uh, around, or rather around Monroe Street, um, you'll see kind of looking up the top of the Clarendon and the top of the hotel are essentially the same height. Uh, our building uh, is basically six feet up on level five is the same height as those roofs. So our fourth level is actually lower than their roof levels. And that kind of gives you a sense of about how it would hold space, including the future space maybe to the right. So that's really kind of the reasoning of how we, how we arrived at the solution. And I think Mark will talk now about the architecture and the design in a little more detail. Uh, so I, I'm inferring you'd prefer to hold questions until you complete Unless the presentation. Unless somebody would like to ask questions, that's up to you. All right. Well, then I'll ask. Any questions, Mr. Kuda? Thanks, Mr. Kuda. Thank you. Uh, the next registrant is Mark uh, Schelfeffer, 303 South Patterson, uh, in support, wishing to speak. Thank you. Um, I want to run through with you very briefly uh, the design context. As Paul started talking, uh, the main focus is that we had on this site. We're looking at uh, how every urban fabric site is. How do we access it from a vehicular standpoint? And then how do we start to activate along Monroe Street? So all of our parking right now is coming in off of Oakland. The main feature in that parking arrangement are 14 public use stalls that are accessed directly off of Oakland. Uh, which is really that kind of eastern half of the building. The remainder of the parking is for residential components. There's a below-grade uh, tray of parking that holds 34 stalls and then an additional uh, 14 stalls for uh, condo-level parking, uh, as well as some residual residential parking being served off of the alley. From an activation standpoint, uh, as Kevin mentioned, we have roughly 4,800 square feet of commercial space along Monroe Street. Uh, what we really looked at doing was how do we activate that edge knowing the geometries of the site, the, the grade and the topography of the site as you're moving down Monroe Street, as we'll call it, and then how do we start to take into some account uh, the idea of creating these corner entrances and the sense of uh, articulation as we start to get into the massing. All the residential coming off of Monroe Street comes through kind of the promenade off of uh, Monroe Street as we pull the west facade back. That takes you back to the main lobby and the main communal spaces for the residents of the building. As we look at the, at the, the elevations and walk you around real quick, there's uh, a masonry component and two metal components. What we look at doing on, that, on the Monroe Street elevation is articulating those masonry elements uh, to be site-specific. So the large four-story element that's identifying the entry actually terminates the Breeze Terrace axes as you're moving down Breeze Terrace. The three-story bay of masonry starts to pay respect to the nice three-story building that's adjacent to us. And from there, the, the metal panel or the hook and strap panel uh, four-story element pulls up from that. As Paul mentioned, that the height of that railing condition is actually about three feet lower than the heights of the Hotel Red and the Claritin. From there, we push the fifth story back roughly 10 feet. That's allowing for gracious terraces for these owner-occupied owner units that, again, are all about activating that main public space. As we move around to Oakland and Monroe, we start to articulate the corner to give this sense of entry at the commercial standpoint and reveal some larger balconies for the residential units above. And then as Paul had mentioned, in addition to stepping back that, that rear elevation to be uh, respectful to the neighbors, 
We're also looking at that articulation of the masonry and the metal. So breaking down kind of the larger masonry mass with a series of these metal forms sliding into, into the elevation of the masonry. As we look at the pedestrian experience along Monroe Street itself, as I mentioned, the, the grade is falling uh, roughly four feet as you move down that, that uh, sidewalk along Monroe Street. So we've created more of a, uh, we'll call it an interior colonnade or an outside colonnade by pushing the storefront back, allowing you to have multiple entrances into that storefront. Uh, here you see the, the pullback of that west facade highlighting uh, kind of a wood portal element uh, moving you into the residential lobby. So as we move down that street, you can see the, how great is falling away. One thing we, we talked with staff and the neighborhood about was how do we make that corner open uh, from a safety standpoint, as well as uh, provide a sense of entry at the corner. So the stairs start to erode that overall height that you're moving against and create a, create a sense of entry into that uh, corner commercial suite. I'm just pulling back out to understand the kind of view from what could be the park. Okay, questions for Mr. Schellfeffer. Thank you, sir. Uh, the next registrant is Lucas Rowe, 22 East Mifflin Street. Is this part of that same group? Yep. In support, wishing to speak. Good evening. I'm Lucas Rowe. I'm a real estate attorney with Reinhardt here in Madison. I've had the pleasure of being a part of Greg's development team since early on in this process. As Greg mentioned, he's a Monroe Street guy. He lives at the other end of the street. He works in the building that he's proposing to redevelop. And I think they're actually pretty close to gold plating his chair at Mickey's. The proposal you saw tonight is the result of many months of coordination and planning. The development process began by Greg personally reaching out to those neighbors that would likely be impacted by the project. And discuss the project and solicit feedback from them. With Griggs vision and initial discussion with the neighbors, we reviewed the zoning code, the city's 2006 comprehensive plan, and the 2007 commercial district plan. None of those documents speak in terms of absolutes. While generally suggesting that development should be between two and four stories, they all say, they also say, and these are some direct quotes from those documents, the city should actively pursue and support the redevelopment of underutilized sites in order to create a gateway onto Monroe Street. With respect to the project height specifically, the neighborhood plan states, generally compatibility weighed against architectural resource and social factors, factors could, should determine whether or not a particular project should be approved. For example, the 1800 block of Monroe Street is currently being built to five stories, and this is 2007, remember, and to an even higher height due to an exceptionally high first floor floor to floor story, but the benefits of a grocery store outweighed the negatives associated with that height. And again, as Kevin mentioned, there are no absolutes. Projects should be considered on a case-by-case -case basis with the general guidance that compatibility with the surroundings should be an emphasis in rendering an approval decision. So what does all of this mean? To us, the guidance meant that with input from the neighborhood, put together with a thoughtful, well-designed project that complements the orderly development of Moreau Street. Tonight, the Planning Commission is being asked to evaluate whether the proposed development is appropriate for this site. That analysis is site and context specific. As noted in the staff report, the project has been generally well received by surrounding neighbors and enjoys the support of Alder Eskrich, who I think you'll hear from tonight, and the Neighborhood Association. 
In response to staff's specific questions related to height, the Urban Design Commission made the following recommendation. Again, a direct quote. The commission finds that the height is appropriate, the relationship to the street is well designed, that the entrance orientation is acceptable because it preserves the commercial activation of the street, and that the articulation of the design is well done. Your approval of this project is not a blanket approval of five-story development on all of Monroe Street. But for all of the reasons that Paul and Mark mentioned, the location of the project at a natural low point on Monroe Street, the location of the project adjacent to an underutilized public Can open space. Uh, and the list goes on. We feel that this development meets and exceeds the standards for a conditional use permit, and we hope you'll join in our support of the project. Thank you. Questions for, Mr., um, for this registrant? Uh, Mr. Rui? Uh, uh, sir, Mr. O, come back. No, I've got it. Probably not for him, uh, but for somebody in the group. Okay, we'll ask the question. We'll see who answers. Uh, it's got to do with, uh, well, first of all, the bike parking. I, I see a lack of uh, bike parking for commercial, uh, for the commercial component. Uh, where where is that going to be? There is bike parking uh, in several locations. So oh. there are visible. There are in the in the public access parking area. There is, and that's one of the or one of the things we think the site offers. Which uh, there's there's public use parking on that site. There's also moped parking and covered bike parking. For, I didn't ask for moped. And oh. covered bike parking. There's also bike parking in the uh, in the lower level and on the first level of the apartment. Well, let's let's start over. I asked a question about uh, for people that are using the commercial. There's covered commercial parking on the east side of, or on the west side of the building. It's it's in this location right here. There are six stalls here, and then underneath the building, in the public use, there are covered bike parking spaces roughly in this space. It should be in the information your packet on the Because realistically, they're going to be parking at the, at the entrances to the, to the commercial, not in some place they can't find. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a zero lot line building, so I, we've, we've tried to create space that's visible uh, near the entries where people would use it. We've talked to staff about the possibility because there is a deep boulevard, on, a wide boulevard on this uh, along Oakland Street. It's rather wide. Um, if we would be able to get a, a permission to put bike parking down at this corner, um, and that's something we would certainly cons uh, consider. Well, that's one thing I've been concerned about every time uh, these zero lot lines, we always seem to end up putting the bike parking on commercial property versus, I mean, on the public property versus the commercial, at least putting in alcoves. This is partly the staff, too. Uh, Can it? You have to wait till we but, close the public. But I, it's just philosophy. Again, we do not have any on site parking for commercial customers for bikes. Yes, we do. In it's it's in the same place. It's in the same place. It's in the same place where if I drove in my car, I'd have to park, or if I rode in my moped, I'd have to park. You could also park in front too if you wanted to by car. Um, I I don't know what I, I don't know that that will be allowed with the parking restrictions in that area. Uh, so the other, the, the other questions are all all the covered parking, and you've got different layers. How do you get to those different covered parking locations? It's, if you look at your packet on P1, which I can go to a level as, as far, P1 is your second plan. It's designated where the entrance is to that parking. And then also, so on this level here, you come down Oakland Street, 
you turn in, this is all public access parking. There's covered bike parking and covered moped parking. And where's the closest door? That's the public bike parking? Yes. And where where's the door to the commercial from that public bike parking? You come out onto the sidewalk and you come up that step right there. So I guess it looks like a place that you couldn't put a parking car in. Uh, how about uh, for the people that live in the building, where is there bike parking? Uh, there is bike parking in this area. How do you get to that? And then through the garage door. And then when you go down this ramp, there's a whole bank of parking that's down below as well. There's also bike washes, dog washes, yeah. charging stations, all kinds of the things. Other, the other question I've got is the visibility coming out in the Oakland Street uh, interaction, interplay between pedestrians and motor vehicles. It looks like you are not complying with the 10-foot uh, vision corners. We've actually met with traffic and uh, did some things at the corners with the, uh, the railings and other things. And... and uh, Eric Halverson is agreeable and thinks that we've achieved with, uh, what uh, they're looking for. But but the uh, the visitor one, you've still got a solid corner there and no visibility uh, coming you, out of the building. You do have visibility. Egress is on the opposite side, so it does, according to Eric, has the 10-foot. You don't exit on the left side. You exit on the right side. If but you're the on right the left corner, side, you're kind I'm of... I'm looking at it. The right corner uh, has a wall. There's, he's, the, the opening is at, uh, is at 30 inches, and the visibility through that, Eric said, was appropriate and meets, that, meets the standard. So as you're coming up the ramp, you can see people coming from the right through that opening. The opening right here. But the cars, car drivers can't, so they pull out on the sidewalk to look. Pardon? I, I'm still having a little trouble with the visibility. I, I know coming up uh, out of the lower level, you've got that fence, but coming out of the... You, as you as you come out as you come out right here, there's an opening here that you can see through, and you can see people coming this way, and you can also see people moving along this side. Is there any way you can make that opening bigger? Um, we can't take away the structure at the corner, oh, and that's what that's there for. So we've 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 gone over this. I've been there. I think he can. We've, we've, we've met twice with, with Eric on this and uh, looked at other examples, and he's, he said, that's, said that it's appropriate. Mr. Shepard? Hi, uh, just a couple questions. One, you, have the, um, you included your traffic study. Could you summarize that, sort of the major points? Because I know there will be some folks that will have issues in terms of, again, sort of traffic. And then just along with that, um, it sounds like you did talk to the traffic engineering and that sort of thing. What were their comments about your traffic study? So, you know, findings of the traffic study, and then what did the city have to say about your traffic study? So the uh, traffic study concluded a number of things. Um, Mr. Shemansky, pull the mic towards you. Thank you. Traffic uh, concluded a number of things, and the biggest concern was traffic on Oakland. And what they concluded, and I don't have these numbers, I'm more happy to provide them to you, is that the incremental number of trips per day based on the current building's usage and the future usage would be 18 trips during peak hours a day. Uh, so that was number one that I actually found surprising, but that was the number. Uh, what, what, what we're trying to do... Um, if you can see where the blue, um, uh, if you, no, I can't use it. Oh, there we go. The right pointer. <laughs> we can uh, all see it. If you can see where the blue uh, 
Right right here is Crazy Lake Drive, and what we found out is, and, and I'll maybe let the alder talk about this, we're going to try to, as they redo Monroe Street, to close this off because there's a lot of traffic that comes down here and cuts right through on Alpha. So one of their suggestions is that we terminate this because what we'd like to do is to make this one continuous park. We think that's great space for those who've been over there. And it probably has a better uses than selling Broward seven Saturdays a, a year. Um, so we're going to try to make that a really usable space. And one of the conclusions that came to, as it relates to traffic, if this is closed off and made into one park, the traffic flow down here would be far, would be uh, far less. And so we're going to try to work towards that. And did uh, city engineering? Did they have any particular comments regarding your study? Uh, they, we met with, I met with them, and, and they looked at it. And if, if you look at the appendices on these things, they're about 30 pages. And yeah. I'm a numbers <laughs> guy. You can't understand them, but they just nod their head and said it looks good. That's all I can tell you. Oh. But they had time to review it and look at it, and the traffic engineer came with us to ask, answer any questions. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Ms. Berger. Hi. Um Obviously, this building we're talking about is a lot bigger than what's there. Did you guys do um, shadow studies? Do you have anything you can show us there? If we have done them. We do not have them loaded on the machine. Um, the building, if you think about the orientation, um, can from here. So the, the, the one advantage we have on this site is that North is up in this instance. So the way the, the neighborhood is is basically, you know, if you think of it at the most extreme time when some, as we're, we're heading, where sun comes up east of or north of east, um, the sun is rising roughly in this area and obviously is swinging around this area. And then we also have a wide boulevard in the street here. So um, when you look at it, uh, the, the front side is basically in, in shade most of the time or near all the time except for very, very late in the day. Um, and there's very minimal impact um, on as far as shade and shadow on anybody else. Yeah, it seemed, most of, the, most of it is cast it. actually out into the out into the street in that area. But in the afternoons, it would be shading the neighborhood. Uh, late in the afternoon, those are long shadows where, I mean, yes, it will. It will impact that site there um, because of the long shadows, so it will impact that house. The reality is with those. With those, with those long shadows, as Paul was mentioning, if you, if you remember Monroe Street actually heading up the hill, the buildings that are at near the Clarendon and in that area are actually casting longer shadows back down into Monroe Street compared to, to by the time you get to here. So I'm not the, worried about Monroe Street. I'm worried about the yeah. houses that you're right next to the neighborhood. The, it's the transition between the commercial and neighborhood that I think I find the most sensitive. So. Um, do you have, you know, so you, so you said you have done them, but you don't have anything that you can show us? We don't have them in this presentation, no. Any other questions, Ms. Berger? No? Any additional questions for these registrants before we move on? Um, if it's okay, we'll leave this up. Uh, okay? Is that right? Sure. I think. <coughs> Uh, so now we will have uh, four opponents in a row. The first one is Fraser Gerd, 1526 Jefferson Street, opposed, wishing to speak, followed by Hans Borkerden. Uh, 
Mr. Gert, come on up. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Fraser Gert. I live about a block and a half away. I, uh, before the developer moved into his space, we occupied it for several years. It was uh, Bob's Copy Shop and uh, Pharmacy before that. Um, and uh, for the past 16 years, uh, it took a year to renovate. Uh, for the past 16 years, we've been up the, up the block with our business. Um, it's too tall. Um, and, um, you know, I know nothing's absolute, but it's, but it's too tall. Um, the, um, uh, there are two main things with regard to the conditional use, the height and the 25,000 uh, foot um, criteria. Uh, it fails on height. It uh, is subject to your judgment on uh, 25,000 square feet. Uh, I, I think we're being asked to make a jump right to Portland and Paris and New York City in terms of densities and living in a, uh, a, a, a little canyon uh, going up um, Monroe Street. But we're also being asked to, to cut off the neighborhood. If you look at the, uh, in your packet, uh, the last uh, page and the last picture, the one that says view from Oakland to the north, it's sort of north. Uh, if you look at that, that picture, you can see that between New Orleans takeout and this building, this zero lot line, apparently zero lot line is our fault, um, but because they have to come out all the way. So if you're way down Oakland Street, let's say Doug's house or something like that, and look up here, what you're going to see is uh, like a city, old fashioned city wall. There's going to be a, a cutoff between the neighborhood where the, the residential neighborhood and the part of the neighborhood that's out on Monroe Street. With regard to the park, that's nice. This building is their jewel. Uh, the uh, park augments that jewel. Uh, study crazy lights separately. It's a different issue. It's not part of this thing. Um, and. Uh, and other than uh, great confusion of the between the definitions of elevation, altitude, and height, um, and having to uh, const having to try to keep track of whether somebody's talking about a building that's down in a hole, or like this one allegedly is, or the Clarendon that is allegedly on stilts, um, I, I, I think I think that the main idea is. Is just tight. Will Can this you summarize in about a minute? In 10 seconds. So far. I, I, I think this is a development that needs to be done. I think it needs to be done at four stories. Um, the, these two buildings that have been wrapped in one envelope on this site are awful. Um, and in that sense, it will be a contribution to the, to the neighborhood. But that really changes the interaction between the residential part of the neighborhood and the single family houses and all that. You have a lot of setback on the alley. That affects two or three houses that face the alley. The way you've changed the conditioning down Oakland Street is, has far more impact. Thank you.
Questions for Mr. Gerd? Thank you, sir. Uh, the next registrant is Hans Porcherding, 1524 Jefferson Street. Opposed, wishing to speak. He will be followed by Grant Severson. One up. We've got three minutes, and if you need a little more, we'll give it to All you. All right. Thank you. Um, I'd like to let you know that I oppose this building. It's five stories tall. The streets and the topography in that area, the neighborhood, slope down into the neighborhood. There's exposed parking. We're looking at six stories on the back. Um, that's roughly twice the height of any residential house around there. The Monroe Street plan, Hotel Red was supposed to be the anchor for the neighborhood for the Monroe Street, Regent Street area. That was supposed to be three stories. It was given four stories because it was the cap for the neighborhood or the business district, whatever you want to say. This building, I've looked at the plans. It towers over Hotel Red in height and size. I'm concerned about that. Public input for the Monroe Street plan was two to three stories. Majority of the buildings on Monroe Street are still two stories. I don't think this is appropriate development. I think the density and the scale of the building is out of proportion with the neighborhood, the street, the plan. I'm concerned about the balconies. You're going to have five stories of balconies overlooking the neighborhood. The surrounding houses are going to lose all privacy in their backyards. I unfortunately see this as going towards State Street, Johnson Street, where you have these huge towers towering over the neighborhood. I'm going to ask that you cut the building down to size, make it more appropriate and have something more in tune to the neighborhood. Thank you. Questions for Mr. Borcherding? Thank you, sir. Maybe you should at this point turn this off and take it away. If you could, if you could remove the projector and the, uh, and the book. Can you move it away, sir? Help my vision a little. Okay. Um, hi, Mr. Borgerding, welcome. You've got three minutes, possibility of an extension. And uh, the next speaker talked. will be Grant Severson. Hi. Thanks for getting my last name right, by the way. It looks like Severson, but it's Severson, so thanks. First off, I just want to reiterate what uh, Frazier and Mr. Borgerding have said about the height of the building. I certainly feel like any design like this would be an improvement on the current buildings that are there. They're not obviously very aesthetic. Um, but five stories and the impact it will have on surrounding buildings and just looking at your PDFs that you have already, where you look at how big that building is compared to the surrounding single-family homes, it's a far cry from fitting with the neighborhood. And I understand that Hotel Red would be the same height as that or a little bit taller. However, Hotel Red is not near any homes, and it's a hotel, and it's at, the, at a cornerstone intersection of the neighborhood. That's a main intersection, not a minor one like ours. As far as traffic, which is another big concern for me, I'm the closest occupant to that building with a family. I live, I don't know, 1,000 feet from the building now. I have two small kids, and 
While traffic now is much better, thanks to city engineering changing the one-way traffic on the street, putting on bike paths, it's improved cons cons quite a bit. If you add further parking, or not even parking, just further people living in that site, they're going to drive down the runway, the one way, the wrong way, because it's a one-way street, Oakland is, and they do it already, it's only going to get worse. That also being said is, why are we adding more non-single-family home housing to that neighborhood? 2 a.m., Friday night, I guess Saturday morning, I woke up to people arguing and fighting on my front yard. I don't want more of that, and that's what's going to happen because this is not designed for families. If it was all condos, I'd probably have a really big opinion difference, but it's, it's not, and that's, I guess, my biggest concern. Um, other things, I think Fraser talked about the setback. I definitely feel like the walking back from Monroe Street, looking up that block and seeing a giant building there would be very different. My son gets on the bus every morning on Jefferson Street in Oakland, and turning back the last three months, I've thought, wow, it's going to be a big difference having a giant, house, you know, a giant apartment building there that just kind of obscures the, the sunlight. So that's my only thing. Questions for Mr. Severson? Thank you, sir. And uh, finally, in this set, uh, Richard Scott, 811 Oakland Avenue, opposed, wishing to speak. No. Okay. Questions for Mr. Scott? Seeing none, thank you. Uh, we'll now revert to our normal process. The next registrant is Craig Stanley, 1525 Vilas Avenue, in support, wishing to speak, representing the Vilas Neighborhood Association, to be followed by Jera Bodley. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Uh, my name is Craig Stanley. I'm the president of the Vilas Neighborhood Association. Uh, we held, um, just for background, um, we held an informational meeting. Uh, the developer came in and did an informational meeting for the committee itself, then the public meeting, and then we had a follow-up meeting. Um, numerous questions came up, some about height, some about uh, traffic, some about some small things in terms of the alley. Uh, generally, uh, I, I don't want to speak for anybody specifically, but generally the committee was in support and the, um, the neighborhood questions were limited. Um, height did come up, but uh, it, it did not seem to be a major issue with the neighborhood group in general. Um, for background, um, I'm also on the transportation, um, the city's transportation committee. I was also on the region neighborhood. Uh, I was the advisor for the region neighborhood, so I have a strong perspective on a lot of what's gone on, and it's just for history relative to my, my uh, personal background. But I could, on, on behalf of tonight, I'm only speaking on behalf of the neighborhood. Questions for Mr. Stanley? Uh, Mr. Shepard. Oh. Mr. Stanley, quick come question. back. We have a, we have a question for you. Just a real quick question because it was brought up earlier. In terms of the, um, in the meetings, did you talk about the type of residents that would move into this unit? We did. Mr. Schmansky outlined that his uh, basic market for this uh, asset was to try and aim at graduate students. Um, uh, and I, I don't want to speak for the specifics, but studios, one bedrooms, some two bedrooms, and condominiums um, from a 
a neighborhood perspective, having condominiums and owners there, and then having commercial residents that were occupied there was sort of important from a not a not a pure residential. We realize that the market is residential based and it's sort of demographic based, but having a condo uh, condo ownership plus commercial tenants that would be occupied there that are not uh, restaurant oriented, and that's what Mr. Shemansky has outlined, uh, was was important uh, factor that the neighborhood took into consideration. Thank you. Any additional questions for Mr. Uh, Mr. Stanley? Thank you. Uh, the next registrant is, uh, is Jera Bodley, 809 Grant Street, opposed, not wishing to speak. Uh, the n next registrant is Doug Carlson, 1018 Oakland Avenue, in support, wishing to speak, representing the Violist Neighborhood Association Council. Mr. Carlson. Thank you. I didn't realize that Mr. Stanley would be here this evening, so I did write down that I'd uh, uh, talk in support uh, on behalf of the Vilas Neighborhood Council. I am a Vilas Neighborhood Council member as well. So just on behalf of the council first, we did pass a resolution in February supporting the proposed project uh, as proposed. And then this past Thursday, we passed a second resolution supporting the project as proposed with five stories. And we did add one condition that we request that this would be built with what we termed a concrete structure that would reduce the height of the building by approximately five feet over a stick frame construction. From, and that didn't make your packet because it just happened last week. From what I understand, I believe that that condition has been met, and I will allow the developer to address that if you have questions. Um, so it, it appears to meet that criteria. From my personal perspective, I think this is a fairly unique situation for you where staff has gone on record of opposing, and the Neighborhood Association is here in support of height and density. Usually it works a little the other way around, although I think this is a unique site. Topographically, it's a low point on Monroe Street, as the developer has mentioned. It's generally in scale with the Field House, with Hotel Red, and the Clarendon Apartments, all of which are within a block or a long block of the proposal. And it's in an area of Monroe Street where the heights and density start to increase as you approach downtown, as you approach campus. So for those reasons, I ask you to support the conditional use permit uh, as proposed with the height and density as proposed. Thank you. Questions for Mr. Carlson. Mr. Rui. Uh, thank you. I've, I've heard a lot about uh, this low point in Monroe, but my question is, uh, which direction does uh, Oakland go from Monroe Street? Does it go down or up? It goes slightly down in the first half of a block, and then it's very flat after that. So I could probably talk more. about the corner of Monroe and Oakland further down, but I think it's, um, you know, a, a few feet. Oakland is lower than the low point in Monroe. Okay. Yes. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay, thank you, Mr. Carlson. The next reg registrant is Jason Tistrup, 4026 Council Crest, in support, wishing to speak. And the final registrant will be Nathan Watier. Watier. Hi. Thank you very much. So I uh, work at Hotel Red right next door and wanted to speak about the process that Greg and his team went through. Uh, and developing it. And it was, I've been involved in a lot of developments in that area. As you know, Hotel Red is sort of the corner of a lot of different development. And this was a fantastic development all the way through. They individually met with myself and a couple other associates, plus a lot of other neighbors, to listen to our concerns. So I was very impressed with that. I was able to attend the meeting, which we hosted at Hotel Red. And generally, there was strong, you know, strong support. There were obviously issues with height. 
and transportation, but I thought there was a good discussion about it. And generally, I thought it was a very positive meeting. Um, the main thing for me as someone that works on Monroe Street is that unfortunately Monroe Street's a bit segregated. So there's an eastern section, a central section, and a western section. Hotel Red, New Orleans Takeout, Mickey's on the eastern side. Central is sort of Orange Tree, um, Brasserie V, Trader Joe's. And then the western side of uh, Michael's Custard, Colectivo, and those businesses. Unfortunately, we see a lot of our guests and people that are just walking around. It can be a bit disjointed, and I think this development goes a long way in sort of creating a bridge, at least between the eastern and the central area. We see a ton of our guests and people all the time that go up the street, and they sort of wonder what's going on in that middle section. This gets rid of a couple of buildings that I think we all agree are, are not that great um, and can really start to bridge those two areas and really create an even stronger street as we all know, Monroe Street is a very strong street for the city of Madison, a very important place. And I think it does a lot to create an even better place. Questions for Mr. Tistrup? Thank you, sir. Nathan Wadier, uh, 22 East Mifflin Street, in support, wishing to speak. Thank you. Uh, might be a little scattershot, so I might be requesting that minute, but we'll see. Um, I wanted to bring it back to the standards that Plan Commission has to look at here. The staff report does a good job at summarizing what those standards are. Basically, they identify two of your conditional use standards as potentially having some question to them. The second of those, standard number nine, is more on aesthetic desirability. I'll let the UDC staff report stand on that and what they said in finding that it was compatible with the neighborhood. I'd like to focus on standard four, which is whether or not this project as proposed is going to impede the normal and orderly development and improvement of the surrounding property. We argue, obviously, it's going to enhance that orderly development. I'd like to bring you back to some of the projects that you've looked at on Monroe Street over the last few years. The Monroe that had a lot of opposition with residential houses immediately abutting that property. You have the recent one that's currently under construction next to the Arbor House, again, with residential immediately abutting that property. You have the Gates and Broby development with residential, again, immediately abutting that property. This development on the other end of Monroe Street has residential, but that residential is across a public alleyway. There's been setbacks such that this building to the nearest residential building is 38 feet from that building. It's much more than any of those projects that you've seen on Monroe, which all of those projects had significant neighborhood opposition. This project is really the blueprint on how you should be working with neighborhoods, working with alders, meeting with them early in the process individually as well as collectively, and coming to a consensus on how you can design a project that best meets their needs as well as makes it an economically and financially viable project for the developer. So with that, I would just like to say Greg, Sarah, Paul, and Mark have really designed a great project, and we hope you think so as well. Thanks. Questions from Mr. Wadier? Uh, okay. Thank you, sir. Uh, Alder Estrich? Thank you. I think we're out of public testimony. Is that correct, Mr. That's Chair? Correct. All right, thank you. So I'll speak briefly because I have shared my comments with um, you all in advance of this meeting, so thank you. Thank you for moving so quickly, but I think it's because two of my other items were referred. Um, so I'll be back. Um, I just wanted to speak to the process, and Nathan kind of stole a little bit of my thunder because he's exactly right. This is 
the sort of development process I would like to see all the time in my district, where you really did have a developer who was willing to engage in those conversations with the neighbors very early on and iterate his design with them and actually came to them with a design that already took into account many of the factors um, that he knew we were going to be important to the neighbors because he is, a neighbor, he is a neighbor in the neighborhood. So that alone made this a very different project for me and made this project very unique as far as how it could hold the space. You heard that a little bit, and so I won't speak um, to great lengths about that, but I do think that the fifth story in this particular site is appropriate. I am very um, cautious about saying that, and I appreciate staff's um, report to you all talking to the uniqueness and how you need to make clear that this site is unique if you are to approve five stories on this site, because most of Monroe Street is not appropriate for five stories. Um, so we don't, we don't want to see plans coming forward through the rest of Monroe Street that are five stories, but I do think that it holds this particular site well. Um, Additionally, just because this came up in the conversation, I will say that we have a lot of opportunities for placemaking when we're going to be reconstructing Monroe Street in the next few years. One of those is right across the street from this development. So though it isn't directly related to this project, the work that we'll be doing on Crazy Lakes Triangle, I do think would be enhanced by having a strong project right across the street to bring more vibrancy and life to this area of Monroe Street that has some activity but not um, the continued uh, activity throughout the day that you see on other uh, commercial nodes of Monroe Street. So uh, generally I'll just say that the process went very well with the neighborhood on this. Um, even the neighbors that are asking for this project to be lowered in height, um, you have heard already concessions from the development team to make sure that they are constructing their five stories at the kind of lowest end of five stories. So I trust that that continued dialogue and compromise with the development team will continue and that commitment uh, to making sure that this is a good site that interacts well with the neighborhood, even once it's fully leased up, um, will be a strong contribution, both in terms of needed housing and needed commercial life and vitality in this area, um, and just continued support of, of Monroe Street being a strong corridor in Madison. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Questions for Alder Eskridge? Mr. Shepard. Uh, just one quick question regarding, and I don't know if someone else may be able to answer this, but um, for the residents that live behind this area, did they have any concerns? And I'm looking at this and I'm just sort of wondering about maybe automobile lights and cars driving up and that sort of thing. Were there any issues there? And if there are issues, is there anything that could be done to sort of mitigate mm -hmm. sort of that auto light pollution that may occur? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I will give a first response, and then if anyone wants to jump in, um, I'll welcome Greg to do that. Uh, that was part of the discussion early on because those neighbors um, that are going to be connected to that alleyway, that interaction of the alleyway to the neighbors nearby was really important. So I believe that some screening and shielding has been put into this project to address that. Um, but I'll let the development team speak to the specifics of that shielding. Do you wish to, uh, Mr. Shepard, do you wish to hear from the applicant on that? Uh, yes. Oh, you need to get to the microphone for, for people watching on TV. One of the things right now that the project has, the current, uh, the current parking configuration, is that the back parking comes directly out into people's residential windows. 
uh, as it is now and has been for 40 years. Uh, what we did is, is move the parking access out into the back alley down to where it comes into the garages of adjoining properties down Monroe Street. Um, so that was done. And uh, then as the, the other two access are coming right out onto Oakland, straight across into the parking lot behind Mickey's. So as it relates to ingress and egress, those uh, areas um, leave and enter at a place where they're least offensive in terms of that lighting. All right, thank you. Any other questions for Mr. Shemansky while he's up here? No? Okay, any more questions for Alder Eskridge? Any questions for any of the registrants before I close the public hearing? And I will close the public hearing. Questions for staff? Seeing none, a motion would be in order. Uh, Mr. Cantrell? I will move approval of this project and find it consistent with the standards, including standard uh, four, which staff is concerned about, because I do uh, believe that it will not impede the normal and orderly development of the surrounding properties in use. And also, I believe it's con uh, uh, consistent or, uh, with uh, standard nine, uh, uh, the urban design support of this project, uh, I think uh, weighs heavy on that, that standard, and I believe that the aesthetics of the project will fit into the, uh, the uh, compatibility of the existing and intended character of the area. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Mr. Shepard. A discussion. Mr. Cantrell, did you have anything else you sure. would add? Uh, I'm supporting uh, the project based on a lot of the comments I re heard tonight, and, and uh, I think this is a unique site along Monroe Street. I, I, I uh, 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 recognize that the plan says that uh, four stories should be the limit, um, but it also uh, indicates that there are <clears throat> the plan uh, states that there are no absolutes, and the project. Uh, should be reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and I think the uniqueness of this site, uh, because of the topography, uh, the, the low point of Monroe Street, it may not be the low point of the neighborhood, but in Monroe Street uh, it is with uh, farther up the street with uh, Hotel Red as well. Uh, and also the opposite of the street from an open space, which I think that that gives this site breathing room. And that's why I think that that uh, five stories can be uh, uh, is appropriate for this location um, and, and probably not on other uh, sections of uh, Monroe Street. I, I think the, uh, the architect and the developer has done a good uh, uh, deal of, of research and I think the project uh, relates to the surrounding uh, uh, streets and, and properties with the step backs and, and uh, uh, and also the materials that they're using and, and how they're using those materials. So I think that overall uh, we need to support density in, in Madison where it makes sense. And I think this site, it makes sense. And, and again, I'm, I'm very supportive of this project. Thank you. Um, Ms. Berger next. Um, I will not be supporting um, the motion. Um, this is a tough one. Um, but I, you know, I hear it, I hear this project being compared to 
you know, Hotel Red and the stadium, and those are, you know, the same height or slightly taller, but they are at the corner. They're at the anchor. This is not the corner. This is not the anchor. This, to me, should be transitioning into, you know, it, it should be what we expect of Monroe Street. Um, it's a little bit lower, but um, somebody had pointed out, too, on the back of the property that is facing the neighborhood because of the topography, it's actually, you know, five and a half to six stories in the back. I just, I, I don't, I don't think that this meets condition number four. I don't think it's normal and orderly. Um, I respect that the alders in the neighborhood feel differently, but I feel like um, as charged with um, ensuring that it meets the the land use plans, I, I don't think that this one meets it. If it were one story less, I would be in favor, but I am not tonight. Thank you, Ms. Berger. Uh, Mr. Rui? Thank you. Uh, first, disclosure, I went bike riding with Nathan Watcher's mother-in-law last night, but we didn't talk about this project. We happen to be neighbors. <laughs> uh, I agree with everything that... Uh, uh, Mr. Cantrell said, but I, 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 I don't think I'm going to be supporting it for transportation reasons and not cars. Uh, there is no convenient bike parking for commercial customers. There is no consideration for uh, increased pedestrian capacity because, uh, along Monroe Street. The visibility uh, on the exits on Oakland can be better, and I understand structural engineering. Some of what you don't want to do is aesthetic, not structural. Uh, and I'm, and uh, once again, we're using the right-of-way for bike parking. I think it should be uh, something, the convenient bike parking should be done by the developer, not on public right-of-way. So for those reasons, I'm probably not going to support, uh, but although I do like the project. Thank you, Mr. Rui. Mr. Kulewski. Um, I'm going to be opposing this uh, project for the same reasons that Ms. Berger is opposing them. I think that it doesn't meet conditions 3, 4, or 9. Um, I think that the project is too big for the spot. I think that it does not go along with what we think of as orderly development for that whole area. I am concerned with the size for the um, neighbors to the rear down Oakland Street and farther into the Vilas area. I think that it does have the impact, uh, have a negative impact on the neighborhood behind it because of its size and because of the density they were imposing on that neighborhood. With all favorable um, comments to density, it is important also to, I think, for this body to weigh and balance what we're putting in and what we're doing to the neighborhoods that we're putting the density on. And I think this is just a little too far. Um, it's nicely designed. It's got a nice look to it. But it's just too big for that particular spot. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? And all those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Aye. Uh, so the motion is two to two. Um, I um, can vote to break the tie. I'm going to vote in favor of the motion. So the motion passes. Um, 
I believe that pretty much concludes our business for this evening, uh, unless there are any announcements. A motion to adjourn. So moved, moved by Mr. Ruiz, seconded by Ms. Berger. Uh, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. We're adjourned. Thank you.